This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Widow Podcast. I have got Emma Gray back. Um, Emma joined us uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had episode 27. Um, Emma is a a fellow widow, a a mum herself, a former lawyer. I think you were Wills and Wills and Probate, wasn't it, Emma? Yes. Yeah. And um, it now has created Rainbow Hunting, which in, well, I'll let Emma tell you what she does. But this is like part two of our chat, where in part one, if you haven't listened yet, it's very good listen. I recommend you go listen. Talking about post-death admin, after our person dies, what we need to do, how we can go about doing these things, what's important, what's not important. It was a wonderful conversation. But Emma has come back to talk to us today about our own sadmin, our, you know, our own wills, power of attorney, all of that kind of stuff. So Emma, hello, welcome back. It's lovely to have you again. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited. Um, as I said to you in a bit of the pre-chat, you know, like this is the bit that I really get excited about, you know, the post. So I call all of this admin stuff sadmin because it is admin that nobody really wants to do and does tend to make us a bit sad thinking about death and dying because it's not exactly kind of party territory. Um, and um and I really do feel that kind of the stars aligned in a little bit. Um, that I was a Wilson probate lawyer. Um, I'm fascinated in mental health training as a counsellor, um, specialising in grief. Um, and then I'm a widow. So I've got all that lived experience. And it just almost feels <laughs> like a bit fatalistic, like I was doomed to do this. Um, but I feel also like the gift in what's happened to me is that I can use this experience and help other people um, sort themselves out so that, you know, we can't take away the pain of our loved one dying. Emotionally, that's always going to hurt. I think the death of a loved one is possibly the most painful thing any of us any of us live through, but what we can do is make it a bit easier for our loved ones. And if we can't have those tricky conversations, we can write it down and tell them where to find it. And it kind of holds the hand even when you're not there through all this stuff that we were talking about last time, which is the post-death. But this week, yeah, really excited to be talking yeah, I, I think this is such an important topic because, you know, I truly believe that the more prepared we are for our death, the more we think about it, the more we share our our wants, our needs, our, our beliefs, our wishes, whatever that is, people are able to, to grieve us, I think, in a far more meaningful way because they know that they are, they are meeting our needs. I know when Simon died for me, you know, we hadn't had huge conversations. I definitely wish we'd had more, but I we had had conversations. There were definitely things that I knew that I was very glad I knew, um, but it really highlighted to me. I wish we'd had 
the deeper conversations. I wish I wish I knew more because what I did know brought me so much comfort in a very, very difficult time. Um, and for me now, I I really want to share my wishes and and my and and think about them because it's it takes time, right? It's not something that you just kind of go, well, I think I want this and I think I want that. To be specific about what you want when you leave this earth takes a lot of thought. It's a deep dive and it's uncomfortable, isn't it? And I think what's wonderful about you, Emma, you do have that lived experience. You are training to be a counsellor. You you know, your mental health qualifications and experience is, is all brilliant. And then you've got the legal side of it as well. You're right. It just all aligns so beautifully because Sometimes when you go and see people for help around these things, they speak a different language. You know, they don't really understand what you're going through and you hold space for all of that, which is a a truly wonderful thing. Okay, so let's start. What is the most important thing, Emma, that that we should be doing when we're thinking about our own sadmin? Yeah, Yeah, so this, I mean, it it's obvious really we all need to have a will and I was absolutely horrified I listened to um, some research that people were doing um, on wills and something like in the 35 to 44 bracket which is like my ideal is like those people who you know that you've got a house you've got a few assets you've got a family with blended families it's often very complicated you know sometimes you're not married you're just cohabiting um and um and i was horrified because it's something like only 16% of 35 to 44 year olds who have a will and uh, you just think like i can understand why people put it off either they don't like the idea of solicitors they don't know where to go and um, they find the concept really hard you know they think that they're going to live forever well you know as we both know you know i love the fact we've both had simons but yes. my simon was 38 you know and he was a fighting fit royal marine and he died at home of cancer you just can't write these things and you just have no idea. Um, but, you know, the basic is to have a will. And people go, oh, well, what about, you know, surely my other half will just get it. Um, but even if your assets are small enough in value and even if you are married and it would go to them, even if all of that, it is still easier to have a piece of paper that it's written on rather than having to try to explain evidence and all the rest of it so basics definitely is having a will and I think it's really important as well because a lot of people listening have lost their their life partner and now you it's not that is it you know when you are living with someone and you're married you you have that assumption well it will just go to my person and that's fine they can sort it out you, you know I don't need to worry about it but actually now you may find yourself in a position that that person isn't there anymore. Maybe you have young children. Maybe you have older children. Maybe you're estranged from your children. Maybe you don't have it. Do you know what I mean? Like whatever your circumstances, and and you've obviously inherited from your person as well that that has has died. What's going to happen in in all these scenarios? So, what's the first step you would take, Emma, in in thinking about your own will? Where do you start? 
So this is exactly why only about twice a year, but I do this um, free will challenge and it's run through Facebook and every now and then I do think, oh, I must try and make it more accessible to people who aren't on Facebook, but thankfully most people are. Um, But um, the whole idea is that it takes people from head in the sand, not having a clue where to start or feeling like they just need their hand holding to a place at the end of four days where they have a completed kind of will planner checklist, which is basically everything I wish clients had walked into the door with um, when they came to instruct me when I used to be a solicitor. Because, you know, knowing uh, it used to be my bread and butter doing wills and, um, and, and solicitors just don't have the time to help you think about the maybes and the who and the, you know, it, it should it be Auntie Flo or actually maybe that auntie froze a bit old so maybe it should be mum but mm, you know not quite so sure and you know it just doesn't have the time for any of that but I really think as well these things are so difficult to do on our own it's a bit like grief it really struggles to heal in isolation but if we share that grief and if we talk about the person that we love that's died and I think it is easier for us to process our own bereavement and a little bit like that with the will so the whole idea is there's this private Facebook group and everyone last time I did it it was amazing the chatter in it was brilliant and it was almost people supporting each other and then you get ideas from each other and and over three days I talked to people kind of on what happens if you don't have a will? Um, then I talk about the kind of 10 sort of myths and mistakes that I learned from when I was practicing. Um, and then the last day is more about the practicalities of what the solicitor needs to know, how you find a solicitor, roughly what it would cost, what about online wills and all that sort of thing. Because I think that sometimes people put it off because they just don't know where to turn to. Um, so having that advice and then there's a Q&A session, people can ask me anything that they want um and each day i give people a little task to do nothing complicated no fancy workbook that they have to read and print out and download just something but but miraculously by the end of the four days they've actually got all the information they need to put in the checklist and then their checklist is completed and then i tell them how to find someone to actually get their will sorted so but yeah i think sometimes we need a catalyst when I was a lawyer, I used to say you know, the number of people, it was such a high proportion who came to me because of something. So they someone else had died. They were about to do a round the world trip. They'd been diagnosed with a, something. Um, but actually, the reality is we all need to do it now. Um, and we can't wait for our round the world trip or a diagnosis. or Because if sadly we're on the M5 and in a horrible accident, our time is gone and we've missed it. Yeah. So I get really quite excited about it all because I know the life changing difference it will make to people. It does. It does. When are you running this challenge again? Is this coming up, Ella? Yeah. So on my website, and I yeah. can give you the details. So maybe you can put it in the chat. But mm. and full transparency, you know, I. I take people from head in the sand to having the checklist, regardless of whether they ever want to have anything to do with me or mm. not in the future. But I do then have a sadmin course that it leads on to that it is uh, that there is a fee for. Um, but the wheel challenge is totally free, and it's on the twenty fourth of April, and it's run over the four days. And then what? What's this? What's the sadmin course? And what do you do in in that? If the free will challenge is getting you to think about your your will. 
yeah. what does the sadmin course cover so, so yeah at the end of the will challenge i'll do a bit of a talk about like why sorting your will is just the beginning um and i really do believe that all the legal documents are really only the backbone mm-hmm. and actually there's so much more meat to the bones that we need to think about when we think about our own sad men mm-hmm. um so the sad men course goes over eight weeks um and it's split down. Um, so the first and the last are kind of quite gentle. So the first week is kind of a getting people to introduce themselves. Where are they? Why have they put it off? What the obstacles are? And I warn people about what might come up for them, what they might find hard and what they might find tricky. And I found it really fascinating when I ran it in the autumn because actually people then throughout the weeks owned when they felt those things coming up Uh, Mm -hmm. oh you know I'm feeling that I'm getting quite angry with this so I don't want to do it and then because they could out it in the little group and that people could help and say remember this is really important remember your why remember why you're doing this um and then in the second week, I do take people over wills again, just in case they weren't in the free will challenge. But also there's more to it. I go into funerals in a bit more detail and I go into letters of wishes because especially if you've got children or you've got complicated trusts in your wills or if there's just more that you want people to know, I think there's so much more we need to write down than I want my other half to have all my assets. You know, there's just so much more that people need to know to be able to deal with your probate when you're not here but do you um, know what there really is isn't there because i think we kind of touched on on this in the last one but knowing where people's you know assets are like where where, where are the back you know people have i mean as god knows I've, i think i've got about five separate bank accounts ticking yeah. around and and then of course you know like you say you've, you've got pensions and trusts and all these other things and and how do people access it where where are these things and even you know, passwords and, and stuff to, to social media accounts and, and anything else, all these apps that we have on our phones, um, you know, that your life is on these devices, isn't it? You, you know, it's all wrapped up in, in passwords and <laughs> face yeah. ID and whatever it is. And, and people may not always know how to get in and, and how to access these parts of your life. Uh, that's a lot it's a lot to get in order isn't it and and think about that you just go they'll figure out it is literally there's so much and but I think it is so much easier when you've got someone to help you out with it all Mm. um so I've I've put in two rest weeks and one of the rest weeks is in week three after we do the wills and the funerals and the letters wishes because I I I didn't have rest weeks when I first ran it and it was a lot for people to manage Um, and then we go through kind of kind of the things that protect us so that's about your record keeping your insurance your tax your pensions and that kind of thing um, then we also talk about decision making. So that's like powers of attorney and advanced decisions and explaining the difference between them and what attorneys do and how important it is for everybody to have powers of attorney. What's a, uh, what is it? What's a power of attorney then, Emma? What, what do yeah, they do? So your will is um, the legal document, the only legal document that says who gets what when you die. Okay. But your power of attorney is nominating someone who's called an attorney 
journey. Um, and their job is if you are alive, but you're unable to either, there's two types, finances and welfare, unable to manage your finances or make your decisions with your welfare. And you delegate that decision-making powers to a trusted person or people who can then do that. But again, I believe that the power of attorney document is only the backbone because that's such a powerful document you know here you go manage all my finances but again it brings you back to so where are all the accounts and assets you know with your health and welfare you know are you um a, a religious do you want to be looked after in a certain way do you have certain thoughts about treatment about where to live are the certain music are the people you want to visit you are the people that you totally don't want to visit you you know there's just so much more that you, people just don't think about. So it, would you, with that, so, is, so you ask somebody to be a power of attorney and then mm-hmm. how do they know? Do you, do you, is in the document, is it a bit like a will where all your wishes are are there or do, is it you, do you write a letter of wishes alongside yeah, so- it? In the power of attorney document, you can put some restrictions and conditions, but a little bit like in a will, once it's in the legal document, to change it is a bit tricky. So for a will, you'd have to do a new will and revoke your old will. For a power of attorney, you'd actually have to do a deed revoking the old power of attorney and prepare a new power of attorney. So with the wishes, as long as people understand that it is only wishes and it's not legally binding, but you wouldn't have your trusted person if you didn't really trust them to be your attorney and then I um, am quite an advocate that you should have a separate letter of wishes and that's where you write the stuff that you may change your mind on um so yeah and is that does that apply in the same way alongside your will you this you write it's a letter of wishes that works alongside your will that your um what are they called with your will your the people that executors executors that's it thank you (laughs) so you have executors don't you um that that carry out your your wishes um guided by your will but you would have a a letter of wishes that isn't necessarily a legal binding document but the you obviously trust your executors because you've asked them to to take that role on to to carry those wishes um, I've got precedent letters of wishes for the wills and the powers of attorney, which I give people in the SADMIN courses like part and parcel of it all. Um, but the classic in the will um, is um, the two things that are really specific is personal possessions. So in the letter of wishes for your will, when you die, you can't put gifts of money. Money need, If you want to do a gift of money, it has to go into the will as a specific legacy to a certain person. Right. Um, but with your personal possessions, there may be paintings, photo albums, jewellery, bits and bobs like that, that you want to leave to specific people. And that's a classic to go in the letter of wishes to list out the items that you want to go to certain people. And the second thing in a will letter of wishes for families um, is about guardians, about anything that you want people to know about the children, whether there's any behavioural things that you want people to to know about the children and pets as well and um, you know kind of I know with vets you know like who the vet 
um, who the vet is um, or, you know, I've got horses, you know, the farrier, how often the farrier comes, um, where the horse's passport is, you know, all that kind of stuff that would make it so much easier um, and really tricky if you don't know it. And with the children, you know, what the legacy is, do you want them to go to further education? Do you not mind if they don't go to further education? Do you want some of the money that you leave the kids that you actually don't really want them to touch until they're older? Do you want the ability for the guardians to be able to advance money to help buy a car or to pay for driving lessons all that kind of stuff is really 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 helpful so much isn't there there's so much like i mean how many people are actually as uh, are you are you emma are you this organized do you have all of this stuff covered <laughs> i'd love to say i was 100 organized but i am a bit quirky so i have done a letter of wishes about the children and mm. um, and uh, i did send it to my parents just before i was going somewhere it's like i'm hoping that nothing's going to happen to me this is not just prompted by the fact that i'm going somewhere but i just thought in case i'm not here here's the stuff you need to know and also about the horse and where the yeah. horse would be and and how it would be looked after and stuff. Um, but the classic was totally out of the blue. I then was like, one of the things I found really hard, and you know, if people have any idea on thing and want to share things that are hard or were made a massive difference, please send me personal messages on like my Instagram and stuff like that, because I love hearing what makes a difference, but also us all learning from each other's mistakes so that other people can learn as well. But one of the things I learned from my mistakes with Simon is, you know, he'd said he wanted a military burial and he'd even told me which individuals were going to be coffin bearers and stuff like that. But he hadn't given me one hymn, one prayer, one reading. And because I also had obviously thankfully my in-laws around it caused me so much stress and anxiety that don't laugh I've written my own funeral service and again I emailed it around my family like I'm not planning on doing anything silly but I just want you to know that I found this very stressful when Simon died so here's my funeral service these are the things but I was able to say you know like I want this hymn because it's one that I had at my wedding and and you know just be able to share why those things are important. Wow, that's amazing, it's, isn't it? Actually, to sort of because you, you know you do hear people, you know, when you know you have a long term illness, and, and not everybody does this, but thinks about their their funeral and and you know they go through they have an evening maybe where they talk about the readings and they go through music and who they want to speak and all that kind of thing. But it's not something that we necessarily think of and you know I, I do talk about my my funeral to to my children and to Andy and you know I say I kind of just want it to be a happy event but in my mind I'm like well I I kind of want it to be your thing that you do for because for, mm. I because there's a part of that isn't there because when Simon died I very much wanted to bring things in that had meaning for me but then mm. equally you know there was his mum his brother yeah. his friends yeah. his girls and so there's two sides and there really it, is there really is so we, um 
I'm a, a bereavement support volunteer for the National Grief Charity Cruise, and um, and I have clients usually about two on the go at any one time. But I was talking to my supervisor about funerals, and she was saying that she believes that funerals is the first major act for the people who are still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did write that in my thing, you know, like here is some ideas, but you can obviously do what you want to do because it. Yes, it's a celebration of the person who's died, but it's also the first massive big goodbye for the people who are living. So it is kind of about the people who are living. So it's definitely two sides to the coin on that. Yeah, it's, I guess it's having the conversations, isn't it, Emma? It's speaking to the people that are going to be left behind and say, what, what would you like? Would you like to choose it and, and that's okay? Or would you like me to sort of give you some guidance on it? And, and it, it just always boils down to that. But we don't have the conversations, do we? No. There's real resistance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I that is something I say on my will challenge and on my sadmin course and when I do one-on-ones with people. And even when I was a solicitor, I used to say, blame me. It's really important that you talk about this. Go mm. along and tell them it's my fault. This bossy lady who gets a bit overexcited about death and dying has told us that we need to have these awkward conversations and we need to talk about these things because it does really help. Oh, so much more, I think, that we than we can ever imagine, and and I think it helps us as well because you know I've done a, a lot of thinking about death. <laughs> it's, what, it's what I do. It's what I work with, and I've met a lot of people. And obviously, Simon died, and and I think when you lose somebody that close, it kind of invites you to explore your own belief systems, um, what you think happens, what you would like for the people that will be left behind as well, because ultimately we die. Do, do, you know, like, I don't know where we go. I don't know what happens. We all have our own individual belief systems, but, you know, we're gone. We're, we're doing the next thing that we're going to be doing. And it's the people here left behind that have to navigate those feelings of, of grief and uncertainty. And I think it's a real gift, a real gift to tell those people what your belief systems are what yeah. you feel about death because i think there's a there's a, a a societal kind of understanding that everyone's just scared of dying like it, it's a big scary thing and it's really horrible and nobody wants to and oh my god and but actually you know me exploring all of this and, and spending a lot of time with it i'm not scared of dying i'm i'm scared of leaving my children behind yeah. And I'm I'm scared of, of what that will mean for them. So what can I do? What yeah. can I do that softens that for me and for them? Not takes away the pain, not makes it easy, but kind of goes, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm thinking. I'm not scared of dying. Don't worry for me. You, you know, I I will go and do the next thing to the best of my ability. And and I want you to, to do X, Y, and Z. I want you to have these experiences, do these things and, and live your life. And I think that helps people in their grief, doesn't it? If you're able to have these conversations. 100%. Simon had that conversation with me and he, um, he I remember being quite stunned because I, I still don't know where I'm at on death. I, I, I still think it's all quite scary. Um, but he said that he was not scared of dying but there were two things that really upset him one is that he didn't want to be in pain um and I can totally get that but through 
the journey of what we lived through, the cancer journey that we lived through, I learned that, yes, he was in pain at times, but he didn't need to be and that the doctors can normally do something to get rid of the pain. Um, And then the other thing is he didn't want to be forgotten. And I think the more you put into all of this, the less chance there is that you'll be forgotten. And the more chance people will think fondly because they will be so grateful for the handrail that you leave them um, and and you leave them a bit of a legacy, you know. Absolutely. hundred percent. You know, it's guiding them, isn't it? It's it's guiding their belief systems and, and how they continue forward. And I think we can have a huge impact, huge. Im- and I think we all underestimate the, that impact. Yeah. Like we don't fully understand it. I think with the way today's world works and the way everyone's so online, um, I've got one week on my course that's totally devoted to digital legacy. Um, and I think that's a really important piece because, um, you know, how do you want things to memorialise? Do you want certain things deleted? Are the things you want people to find? Are the things you totally don't want? You just want them destroyed without people looking at them? Um, and And I think it, it's it all part and parcel of it isn't it it's all part and parcel of remembering and um being organized and sorting everything out absolutely do you know what it's such a good point because you know you you might be on on dating sites did you know and having conversations with people and, and you might not want your children to stumble across the conversations you're having on dating sites if something happens do you see what i mean so it is having those and also like you know, I'm always encouraging my clients to to write things down to journal because I think it's a really safe space and, and it, it allows us that time to gather our thoughts and, and share in a place that's non-judgmental. And obviously there's a resistance in that sometimes because well, what happens, what if something happens to me? Somebody finds my journal. And I, you know, I always say, well, who do you trust? Tell them where it is. Tell them you don't want anyone to read it and just burn it. If anything happens to you, this is where it is. Take it away, burn it. I'm uh, just, you, you know, it's like it's again covering anything that you need covered, isn't it? So that you feel at peace with with these things. And, and it's fascinating. And that's I don't think something that's totally new with social media because I remember talking to my dad about stuff like that, and my dad said that he was once asked um that if anything happened to someone to burn a whole bunch of stuff that they had written down mm-hmm. and I said what do you do and he said well I took it all and I had a big bonfire and I burnt it because mm-hmm. that's what I got asked to do yeah. and and it is about picking the right person and someone that you choose you know you trust to do what you want with it all um, yeah and I know and I know not everybody maybe feels they they have that which which can be a, a block which I but that's understand. when you can involve professionals because they will be totally impartial. And if someone says, all the black notebooks are my journals, I want them destroyed and you'll find them in the top left-hand drawer of my chest of drawers, then the professional will go make sure they get them and destroy them and probably put them in a confidential. Do you know what I mean? You know, there mm-hmm. is always a way around it. Um, I used to say when I was a lawyer, you know, people used to say, oh, God, you know, the reason I haven't done my will is because it's all so complicated. And I used to start off by saying, oh, I love problems. And I was like, actually, that's a lie. I don't like problems. They cause people a lot of distress. And that's not really very nice. What I love is the fact that I can solve the problems. Mm-hmm. And and very, I haven't come across a situation where you can't 
solve it. And yes, it seems complicated potentially to you, but often when someone's got a different perspective, a different knowledge base, they can go, hold on, there's a way around this. We can work around this. And this is the way that you can sort that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, kind of at uh, what age do your children become able to, to be executors, power of attorney, all, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so the age legally is 18, but I always say you need to think about the individual. You know, you wouldn't have someone who's likely to go bankrupt being a finance power of attorney or an executor. So you need to think sensibly about the individual. You wouldn't necessarily leave all your estate and your life policy money and all the rest of it to your kids outright at 18 if you think they're going to piss it against a wall you know you'd maybe put 23 or 25 but take advice on the tax because there might be tax implications of it all but you know it's it's about being sensible and um, but actually I find that a lot of people their sense of relief when their elder child gets to be 18, because even if they don't make them executor and trustee, they can make them guardian. Um, and sometimes they quite like that. Um, or they make them an executor and a trustee and a guardian, but with someone who's much older. Um, so um, so that they can... Um, and, and that, I mean, that'd be 18 in the UK. Is it the same? In, yeah, in the I US? don't know. So <laughs> the one caveat with all my will challenge and my sad admin course and everything um, is that I'm based in England and the UK and I'm qualified in England and Wales law so even Scottish stuff I have had a Scottish person do this admin course um, but but it's it's I can only give advice on on what happens in the UK so you'd need to double check it and some of the terminology is a little bit different in the states for wills powers of attorney and stuff like that but the concept's the same yes um, but um but but some of the terminology is a little bit different um but i'm a bit of a i'm a bit of a one for owning the bit that i'm an expert in and not advising on the stuff that i don't know and signposting people and um, so even in my sadmin course um i've got an accountant who comes in and talks about budgeting as a bit of a bonus i've got um, an online storage person who comes in and talks about how you can store all your stuff online and have magical notes that go to people when you die but they're all stored there safely until that death notice is registered um, and I have um, financial advisors who come in um, and talk about kind of like what a financial advisor does and that kind of more finance stuff because I'm not qualified by the um, financial services authority so I can't give advice Sounds on that. so interesting obviously I did my will after mm. Simon died um, which you know six and a half years ago now a lot's changed um, mm. since then and and obviously I now have a, a business as well yes. do you see what yeah. I mean yeah. and yeah. Um, what what yeah, I, I, you know I'm talking sat here talking to you thinking oh my god I really need <laughs> I really need to update my will I don't know where to start right I need to go and have a I'm on the challenge <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I do talk a little bit about businesses and foreign assets and stuff like that because they are the quirky things and trusts because yeah. they are the quirky things that actually are often the situations where a will is really needed um, so I redid my will and I've got business provisions in my will so that the executors can run the business whilst they're administering the estate and working out what the hell they do with it um, so yeah it is just really important to take it in but, but that's why I do the will challenge because I'd like 
like to think I'm no longer a qualified lawyer, so I won't draft legal documents and I won't take people on as legal clients. I'll point to where I reckon you can get really good advice, but I won't do that bit myself. But I, I've got the knowledge base, but also I'm not really your typical lawyer. So hopefully I can translate some of these tricky things and, oh, my God, what do I do about this into a language that people understand? Because so often I get the, oh, I went to a solicitor, but I didn't understand a word he said. Um, so, yeah. I mean, if, uh, the will thing makes me laugh because I obviously went through the whole process <laughs> with with my solicitor um, after Simon died. And, you, you know, you go through this whole process of what do you want in all these different scenarios and you come up with the answers. And, and then you're handed this document that's written in Russian or something. And you're like, I, and they're going, can you just sign this? And I'm like, I don't know. Can I just, does that mean what I've said over here? Because that doesn't make any, so then you've got to go through this document that's written in a completely foreign language um, to try and fathom out whether it says what you want it to say. And it's, it's a bit intimidating, isn't it? You know, and, and a bit daunting. So I love that you do it. And, and, you know, again, I'm sat here thinking I haven't got time. I just haven't got time. But, oh, my God, it's so important, isn't it? Like, also, make the time. Honestly, Karen, so the... The will challenge really doesn't take up very much time. I talk for maybe 15 minutes each day. So it's really, and then the task I give people to do is maybe 10, 15 minutes. It's not a time intensive thing. And, and, and that's the thing that I think is so ironic is that to do a will and to, to, to do my challenge, it's not time. The time intensive is to get your head around doing it you know it's the like you need to do it just do it just get on and just do it because otherwise we spend ages thinking what about this what about that what about the other yeah. um, and, and and to have the peace of mind and clarity so tell me what what happens emma if you don't do this you know we all have choices at the end of the day we can all kind of go oh, oh it's all right i haven't got time at the moment i'm too busy which is exactly what i've been doing for the last year um, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll just wait. I'll wait till I've got time. That time never comes. Your will's not up to date. Maybe it's not even drawn up. You haven't even thought about it. Then you drop down dead. What What happens in those circumstances? Yeah. So that's where something called the laws of intestacy. I'm not going to go into it in great detail. I do cover it in the thing and you can Google the laws of intestacy and it tells you what it is. But basically, um, there are laws that set in place um, the entitlement that people have on your estate. Um, and so, you know, you can imagine the first with entitlement is a spouse and then it's children. Then ironically, it goes from children up to parents, which can cause a double IHT bill. Sometimes is it does it go to children if they're under eighteen? Yeah, so on trust until they're eighteen. Okay. So then looked after on trust until they're eighteen. Um, but there is um, the someone has to apply to be the right person instead of an executor. It's called an administrator, um, but they don't have the powers. So an executor's powers run from the minute you die because their appointment is in the will. But if you have no will, there is no evidence as to who is going to administer your estate until they get appointed by the probate registry in the court, and then you've got a piece of paper saying the administrator is this person and um, so generally it's and also although you say spouse ha is the first with the entitlement there's a cap on the amount of money so if you own a nice house then the chances are the spouse will get a chunk of the house but a chunk of the house will pass to the kids is that really what you want and um, you know so the laws of intestacy are not necessarily perfect and they are 
far from perfect if you cohabit because there is nothing that provides for a cohabitee nothing so um if you've got two people living together one of them drops down dead the survivor has like no automatic entitlement under the laws of intestacy they can bring a claim that potentially no reasonable financial provision has been made and stuff, but then you're going into contentious probate. So the short answer with what happens if you haven't got a will is more money on legal fees, more time and very and more complicated. And I guess it's difficult as well because I do actually, you know, I have clients that, you know, maybe they're in their late 50s, early 60s, they've, they've lost their life partner, they might not have children, their parents have had have passed you know what when you know with all you don't have a spouse yeah. children and parents where does it go and then it gets more and more remote mm-hmm. so you follow so if you've got no parents you go to the next one which is children if you've got no children you go to the next one if you've got no children it goes to parents if you haven't got them it goes to siblings and then it starts to go to nieces nephews cousins blah 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 and that's where you get these amazing genealogists who make money and have jobs about finding so when i first started as a lawyer one of the ways i learned about some of the complicated stuff is I took over files that had got stuck and some of the files had got stuck because there was no will and there was parts of the family tree that were missing so then they couldn't administer the estate because they kind of knew that there was someone who should have been in that space and potentially should be inheriting from the estate but they had no contact details for them they had no way of tracing them so the estate had just got stuck for years and no one had done anything with the money that was just sat there Um, and so then you have to employ a genealogist to try and find out where they live and who they are and it starts getting a bit Sherlock Holmesy. <laughs> wow it's amazing isn't it just like there must be a lot of that out there actually more than but we also realize. you know if you are someone because sometimes people put off doing their will because they say mm. I haven't got a spouse I haven't got children I haven't got parents but you know you potentially hopefully do have friends charities that you support etc 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 and you can leave the most wonderful legacy giving surprise gifts to friends loved ones godchildren, whatever religion you might be and all the rest of it money to charity and especially in today's day and age charities are really struggling and a lot of their money comes from legacies and wills and you can make a massive difference and you know if you're over the tax threshold any money given to ta- charity is tax free so you can make your estate tax-free by giving a huge chunk to charity potentially so you know there's tons that you can do but sometimes it is that it's really painful because I don't feel like I've got anyone don't know who to talk to but you can talk to someone like me if you've got no one else to talk to who can hold your hand and help you through it all I think that's such a wonderful gift Emma that you have have chosen to to do this you know and you're right it does just seem all to align and, and come together in in this perfect kind of harmony and some trees <laughs> <laughs> you know just your your passion and your empathy you know I know you've come into my membership and you gave the most amazing talk and people have gone away with all the information you've shared and you know they've drawn up their wills and you've really got them thinking and you've helped them see that it's doable we you know we can sort these things out and actually the peace of mind you know like you were saying just now the energy that we go in we give to worrying about these things that oh god I don't know what to do and I haven't thought about it and what would I do with this and what yeah 
it is worrying and it is hard to sit down and, and go through it all. But actually, when you've done it and you've got that clarity, it does bring you so a, a lot, actually, of, of peace. Because, you know, if you are a younger widow and you've got younger children, like you and I, you know, like the biggest fear is that something's going to happen to you and then what happens to your children. And, and it's a horrible, horrible, awful thing to think about. However, if you have some plan in place, if you've spoken to people and you, you know, you've made people aware of, of what you want and you've got provisions and so on, it just gives you that little bit of peace of mind, which we are all striving for, aren't we? Yeah. And it makes the tricky time a bit easier. And that's, yeah. you know, my whole rainbow hunting thing. I started with a blog um, and then slowly became this thing that it is now helping people with courses and one-to-one and all the talks. And I talk about grief quite often and stuff like that. But but I really passionately believe that, you know, it is naff, but, but it's like the weather. You know, some days it is cold, it's wet, it's miserable. And we literally feel like we're going to be in that horrible place for forever. And, you know, certainly through my grief, I had faces where I was hundred percent depressed just getting out of bed wading through metaphorical treacle and putting three meals on the table getting to work and getting the kids to school was survival and was something to celebrate you know Mm. it was amazing but it's about keeping hope the sun and the stars never go they are always there you know as sure as night follows day they are there so when it's wet and miserable you just go out chasing your rainbows and that's, you know, and it's easier if you're with people, you know, puddle jumping ain't much fun on your own, but it's a lot of fun if you do it with the kids. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's such a lovely message, Emma. I will put information about the free will challenge, which is coming up on the 24th of April. That's 2023. If you're listening to this in <laughs> in the future. Um, and obviously that will then lead on to the Sadmin course. If, if people like, you know, what they've learned from you and, and want to take it a, a bit further, I'll put all of that in the show notes, all the links and, and how you can connect with Emma. But Emma, thank you so much. This is such an important conversation to have and, creating this awareness around you know thinking about what we can do for ourselves to help those that we love when our time comes is is a gift it's a real gift i really truly believe that so thank you so much emma absolutely my pleasure thank you very much thank you so much for listening to the widow podcast with me karen sutton If you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief, come and join my free Facebook group, Widowed and Rising, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Widow Podcast. Podcast.